0: We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com/slash credit card. This is episode number 1205 with Thomas Frank. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur, and each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome back my friend. Today's guest is Thomas Frank, and he is a video creator and author with a focus on helping people become more capable of whatever they aspire to do. And on his YouTube channel with over 2 million subscribers, he creates artistic and educational videos around productivity, habits, and learning how to learn. And in this episode, we discuss how to better understand why we get burnt out and how to avoid this in our lives. The techniques Thomas uses to learn new things faster and improve memory how to actually master your time management when you feel like there's too much on your plate, how to overcome procrastination and develop self-discipline, and so much more. I think you're really gonna love this one, so make sure to share this with a friend that you think would be inspired by this message as well. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only Thomas Frank. Welcome back, everyone at School of Greenness. Very excited about my guest. Thomas Frank is in the house, my man. Strong, buff-looking dude. <laughs> are we gonna arm wrestle uh, now? You'll beat me. Um, <laughs> maybe left-handed, but are you right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed. Okay, maybe left hand. I've got a strong left hand as well, but you probably beat me. You're eight years younger. My secret train left hand is stronger too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've got an amazing story and an amazing content. Millions of followers over on YouTube. I love the content about productivity, accelerated learning, how to learn faster, memory, all these things you talk about. And in a content consuming and creating world that we're in right now, especially I feel like in the last year and a half with the pandemic, more content has been created, and consumed than ever. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling that more people are also having the sense of burnout more than ever. Like everyone just says like, I'm overwhelmed, I'm burnt out. Yes. I'm curious, how have you managed this personally with all of you going on personal life, fitness, you know, getting up early, productivity, learning, creating new channels. How do you not feel burnt out? And what's your process for teaching that to other
1: people? That's my secret cap, I'm always burned out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, this is a, a complex question with multiple answers. So I can't say that there's one simple yeah. thing you can do to avoid burnout. But I made a video on burnout in 2019. I heavily burned out then. Really? Did some soul searching, did some, you know, some, made some changes to my life. There why, are why, did you you can do.
0: why did you get burned out in the first place? What so
1: happened So it's in my case doing the same thing for too long. Yes. And there's something called the over justification effect. Um, it's probably been said on the show before, but as when you allow external rewards to come into your life, it kills intrinsic motivation you had to do something. Mm. So when I was a kid, I made PowerPoint slideshows all the time just for fun. You know, you got a job making PowerPoint slideshows for somebody. Now you're not going to do it in your free time. Um, And there's a lot of research around it. It's more nuanced than that. And I think you can balance it. You can be an artist for a living and you can reap the rewards while still enjoying it. But there is a cost there and a trade-off. And when you start making content purely for, maybe not even purely for, but you just let your schedule get so overwhelming because there's all these opportunities, it can just sort of crush your spirit to do it. Yeah. So... Biggest thing for me was realizing, okay, I don't need to be making this much content. We'll be fine without it. And I would rather put more time into making each piece better. Mm. So 2020 was actually an amazing year for me artistically because we decided to go from four videos to two. A week. Uh,
0: a month. Four, <laughs> one a week to one every other week. Yes. Because I'll I How long would it take you to do one video before then?
1: I mean, I guess it depends. And I think that was part of the burnout is I was like, I have, one week and you know, ideally three days because I have other things to make this video. So it's just gotta be a listicle video and we'll throw in some stock footage and we'll make it like we did before. And at the time I was watching people like Matt Diavella make these Netflix unbelievable, documentary quality Incredible. videos for YouTube. It was doing like one a month. One a month, right? Yeah. Because that's all it takes. But I'm watching him like, I wanna make stuff like that. Yeah. So we cut down, took a break as well. So I could sort of just Rest and I think it's a big thing that we miss in our mm-hmm. lives is you know understanding that rest is actually part of productivity it sort of disengages you and lets you step back and get ideas again and We started just focusing more on the quality. I was very interested in filmmaking at the time and like okay What lenses should I use? How can I get this kind of shot that I saw in a movie? my favorite thing we did in 2020 was a uh, this stupid video that was gonna be a response video to a video Matt made about checklists. I'm like, this is a response video. I should shoot it in two hours and be done with it. And then I get this idea and I'm like, what (laughs) if I recreate a scene from my favorite movie in the world, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, uh, and just try to make it shot for shot like an homage. and. This leads to me and my editor like standing out in random fields in the middle of <laughs> like the mountains in Colorado and <laughs> like, laying in snow fields and doing take after take and then learning how to do all these kind of editing things I'd never done before. But the result of that is my favorite piece of work that I've made, really? at least in terms of the visual fidelity, the editing, the music. I learned so much in doing that. And I'm like, yeah, OK, I didn't make as much money, but that was fun. It was cool. That was amazing.
0: You know, and you, I'm going to
1: look back on that as one of my favorite things that i made artistically.
0: Right. I think what you said, rest is part of productivity, is so powerful because I think we've been conditioned to stack our days with our schedule full mm-hmm. of doing things. And something I try to do in my schedule is have strategic messing around time. Yes. Which is like an hour, 30 minutes, two hours, whatever you can where you're like, this time I'm scheduling this mm-hmm. so that I'm not um, stacking with something else, but I'm scheduling time for just brainstorming, play, walking, throwing a Frisbee, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. playing a video game, something to like just clear your mind or just talking to a friend or just having space to do what you want. Yep. And that has been so helpful for me. I mean, when I go to the gym, I get my best ideas. Like last night I was working out and I got a new idea for a channel and I was like, this is amazing. We just keep working out and getting this idea. But if we're not moving our body or giving ourselves space and time away from work, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's hard to be as productive. Yes. Isn't there a a video did like what's it called? Feynman, not Feynman, Feynman. Feynman technique. Feynman technique. Yeah. What, what is the Feynman technique? Is that have anything to do with this? So it doesn't have anything to do with rest, uh, okay. but we can get into it. So the Feynman yeah. technique is Feynman technique. Right?
1: Feynman technique named after Richard Feynman, the physicist. Oh. I don't believe that he ever said, "This is my technique, yes. and I bestow it upon the world." I think someone else just someone else just slapped his name on it. Mm-hmm. Very simple. If you teach something, it forces you to break down the information and it forces you to understand it well enough to break it down simply for someone else. So if you wanna understand something well, try to teach it to somebody else. And my video on the Feynman Technique, acknowledge that you don't always have a ready and willing participant who's gonna ask you those questions. So you can go through an exercise of acting as if maybe you're writing a blog post or writing a chapter of a book for somebody, write out the explanation and try to think to yourself, what would a kid ask me? Mm. What's the but why question? And then uh, recently I did a follow-up video because I'm studying for a uh, weightlifting certification, mm-hmm. CSCS, and then there's another one called the PBC, there's two of them. So I have to learn biomechanics, like you know, what's this hinge joint here versus this joint here, that kind of thing. And me being a YouTuber for so long, I'm like, well, what if I just film a video going through what I learned? And then I'm like, well, what if I just take that video and throw it into my notes and then watch it back and critique it? So that's my new version of the Feynman mm. technique is try to explain it from memory to my camera Throw it up on YouTube unlisted. Throw it in my notes, and then watch it back and be
0: like, "That was wrong." Are you doing a um, a video where you're actually watching the video and then <laughs> and then actually that's the video? Your video up on there, and then what's it called? Film
1: myself critiquing. Yes. Video of the video. That's like the Gilderoy yes. Lockhart from Harry Potter, where he's like <laughs> yeah.
0: painting a picture of
1: himself painting a picture. Yes, exactly. Of himself. <laughs> that could be interesting, right? I mean, it could work. Yeah. Uh, I think it would add more labor into the process, <laughs> right. for sure. But right. I mean, get, learning is
0: labor, so right. Maybe. I've been. Uh, I was telling you beforehand that I've been taking uh, Spanish lessons three days a week mm-hmm. for the last little over a year now. I tell you what, man, my brain hurts. My brain hurts learning this skill, and I and I want to start changing the language around this because I want to start conditioning myself to say this is fun and enjoyable as opposed to yeah. this hurts. Because I think the more I say this is challenging and hard, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, when you're trying to learn something new, how do you not let it overwhelm you and become like emotionally and mentally painful when it's uh. this new subject you have no clue what you're doing? Or is there no way around that? I don't know if there's a way around it. It's painful.
1: <laughs> it, it is painful. Why
0: is it so painful learning something new? It's like it's
1: like building a muscle, mm-hmm. you know. And so we always used to say like your muscles are growing because you're damaging them and then the repair process makes them stronger from what i've read recently that's not quite how it works it's more of like tension on the muscle just tells your body hey this muscle needs to grow but it's still like you need to put tension on the muscle you need to stress everything Mm. to make it grow
0: yeah
1: my biggest philosophy in life is use it or lose it like Mm. pretty much everything we have relationships your brain your muscle your body your bones if you don't use them you lose them astronauts go into space and if they stay too long, they come back with like debilitating bone mineral density degradation. That's why, it's the main reason why they have to do those exercise routines, because there's no gravity. And uh, my favorite thing is like the nun study, right? So there's these nuns, they work their whole life into their 80s, 90s, and there's this study they did where they did autopsies on the nuns after they died and found, at least in one case, this lady who was sharp as a tack, whole life, 80s, working, teaching, and they found tons of Alzheimer's legions in her brain. Really? Just wires around it. So, right. it's like, you know, we don't, <laughs> I don't to purport to say too much around this because I'm not a scientist, but I believe if we use things, we keep them. We're like anti-fragile beings. If we lose them, or
0: if we don't use them, we lose them. Right, right. What is the, uh, the skill that you've learned that's been the hardest to learn?
1: Oh, that's a good question. It's between figure skating and singing. Figure skating? Yeah. Why figure skating? So I had a friend in Iowa back when I lived in Des Moines and he's like, dude, I want to learn how to play hockey, but I can't skate. So I signed up for this class and it's all like eight year old girls and me. Will you join this with me? Just so it's like, not just them and me. And I'm like, okay, sure. And I go into a hockey shop (laughs) and this is Iowa. So there's not like a ton of skating culture and everything, but I'm like, all right, I have to do the counter. I have never skated before. I remember renting skates when I was a kid and my ankles were flopping all over the place. What should I start with, hockey skates or figure skates? And the dude's like, you should get figure skates because they're not as wobbly, I guess. Uh, So I drove up to Minnesota to get my pair of figure skates because if you're a dude, buying men's figure skates is not (laughs) easy. And I just ended up liking it. And I never wanted to play hockey. Don't really want to get my teeth knocked out. I'm on camera a lot. (laughs) But you like figure skating? But I like it. And I've always liked like skateboarding and rollerblading and skiing and just Uh like graceful, extreme kind of sports. And figure skating is a lot like that. In Mm. fact, I found that figure skating made me an incredibly better skier. Really? There's a ton of skill transfer there. So I tried that, but I found that was much more difficult than like wrestling or football or any sport I'd ever done in the past. It's just so technique based. And in my opinion, you need a coach because you can watch even yourself and you can watch the pros, and you're just like, I can't really tell the difference between what I'm doing what they're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. How many skills do you feel like you've learned? Oh, that's a good question.
1: <laughs> I, I like to dabble in a lot of skills. Yeah. Uh, my friends always make fun of me for getting into obsessions and then dropping them. I'm that kind of person. So, I mean, you're, there's been a lot you're of that.
0: Two, three months obsessed, and you're like, okay, on to the next thing.
1: Yeah. So, that will probably mean I will never be the greatest in the world at anything. But I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah. Like,
0: I want to learn new things, and it's just fun. Yeah, I'm a similar. I like to learn new things as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there are some things I want to master, which is like Spanish is one of them. But salsa dancing was something that I got into 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been doing it consistently for 16 years. It's been a great gift. So I think figure skating, if that's your thing, that could be a great gift as well for a long time. So if someone wants to learn and master a skill in twice the time, what do they need to do? to really say, okay, this is I'm gonna learn figure skating, it's not gonna take me six months, it's gonna take me three months. What yeah. do they need to think about in order to learn a skill, a language, anything in twice the speed? All right, so there's a few things we can go through
1: here. Yeah. First one I wanna talk about is the three types of progress, because mm-hmm. a lot of people get tripped up with this. So three types, gear acquisition, a conceptual learning phase, and then the deliberate practice phase. The thing about these phases is they each offer a different level of perceived jump for the effort invested. Mm. So what's Gear the first acquisition. one? Gear acquisition. So buying the things you need. I wanna be a YouTuber, I buy a camera, I buy a lens, I buy lights. You feel like you've made this quantum leap and in a sense you have because you now have the tools you need to do the thing, mm. but they have gotten you no know, closer to actually
0: doing. <laughs> you haven't the thing. done anything. You just have it sitting there and it might sit there for years yeah. until you do something. So there was like this,
1: uh, this study that is sadly, the, um, I guess sadly it's not the word, but there's a study done a few years ago, victim of the replication crisis. I don't know if you've heard of that, but Uh there was this whole thing that came out a few years ago, it's like all these psychology studies, we've tried to replicate them and we don't get the same results. Uh So maybe half of psychology is bunk. But it had a concept that I found interesting uh, called a social reality, where you come up and say, I'm going to run a marathon to your friends. And they're like, that's really cool. And you gain this sense of satisfaction just hearing your friends tell you. You know, that you're you got really cool, that you're gonna do it, and mm-hmm. then you don't do the thing. You know, I don't know how you feel bad it is. about yourself. Yeah. I don't think you feel bad about yourself. You just you've gained a little bit of the satisfaction you would have derived from practicing and actually accomplishing it. Mm-hmm. So maybe that makes you a little less incentivized to go do the thing. You're just like, ah, oh, I already feel good because my friends now see me as a potential marathon runner. Interesting. So Is it good to talk about the goal then, the skill you want to learn? That's the question, right? Because they can't replicate the study. So do we actually know? I'm not sure. My gut feeling is if you have friends who will actually hold your feet to the fire on stuff, yes. If you have friends who are just sort of like, they'll just be like, yeah, that's gonna be great. You know, pat you on the back. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's actually a good idea because if it demotivates you to actually put the work in, right? you know, if you derive the satisfaction just from having them say, that's good, good for you, maybe
0: not. The thing that I've seen work, uh, and I don't know if this is proven or scientific or something, but I've seen when people say, I'm gonna start working out and start losing the weight, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just give that example. If they say that to someone, I see maybe half the time they do it and half the time they drop after a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But the people that I see that actually fall through is when they say, I'm going to do this for whatever, 30, 60, 90 days, and I'm going to post about it every day, and I'm going to commit to myself by posting about it every day on a journey. I think when I've seen that, people are more likely to show up for themselves when they know mm-hmm. they have to post about something or, you know, or if they have a coach. Yeah, I know you've got a coach when you're with lifting right now, and yes. it's like if you know someone is going to be there to watch you, and or you have to film it for that person on a daily basis, yeah, you're more likely to do it. And if you're spending money for that coach, you're probably more likely to do it. As well. Yes, yeah, I, I absolutely would, believe that. So, so gear acquisition is the first yep. type of progress, and what's the second type? Second
1: right? type is conceptual learning. So, sit down, take a course, read a book, have a teacher, and.
0: So you're trying to learn learn, uh, figure skating. So that would mean like go online and watch videos of figure skating, tutorials. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Watch a tutorial or get a coach. And the biggest thing here is you
1: read like Josh Kaufman's book on skill acquisition Mm -hmm. or Tim Ferriss's. You want to break down the skill into the subsets you want to acquire now. Hopefully have somebody who can tell you here's the sequencing you should probably go through and then try to focus on learning the skills or subsets you want to learn right now. Mm -hmm. So in the case of figure skating, I do not want to start with a triple axel, right. I don't even wanna start with any kind of jump whatsoever, especially any kind of jump with a rotation because first I need to understand how to rotate. So there's a move called a three turn. This is one of the first things you learn, like first thing you learn is literally just how to go. But one of the first techniques you're gonna learn is called a three turn. It literally is just, you're on one foot, you go one, two, three, and you sort of create this counter rotation with your shoulders and your torso that makes your hips rotate, and you go from going forwards to going backwards. Yeah, half, Super basic half-turn. technique, yeah, yeah. half turn. That's like one of the first things you're gonna learn and then you need to drill that for a long time before you go and start trying to figure out the technique for like a toe loop or
0: something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you gotta feel comfortable transferring from going forward or going backward mm-hmm. and, and balance yourself and not crack your skull open. Right?
1: Yep. Okay. So a little bit of conceptual learning uh-huh. and then the biggest part which, which yields the lowest perceived uh, feeling of progress for each hour you put in is the deliberate practice. And that is just honing in on, here's the thing I need to learn Now I'm gonna go out and specifically learn that. And uh, my video with Charles sort of breaks down the mindset that you wanna go into a session deliberate practice with, but the biggest part of it is try to understand what you wanna accomplish by the end of the session. You might not get there, but if you have a vision of what you're trying to accomplish, you have direction in the practice session. Mm -hmm. This is a big problem for musicians because a lot of practice is sitting down and noodling around.
2: If you're like, I
1: wanna play this section of this periphery song, and I'm currently able to play it at half time. I'm gonna use a metronome and I'm gonna keep increasing the time by 10 beats per minute until I can play it cleanly. That's deliberate practice. Mm -hmm.
0: Who coined that term? Is that uh, from the talent code? What was that book? I'm not sure. (laughs) For some reason, Patrick Coyle. I'm not sure if that's the name or not, but Mm -hmm. anyways, deliberate practice. That's why I heard that from a book. Uh, I think it was a talent code. So that's conceptual learning. Is that correct still? Is that still under? That was deliberate practice. That's deliberate practice. The third one. Gotcha. Yeah. And I
1: mean, you know, there are kind of, there's a sort of spectrum between those two because conceptual learning and deliberate practice, you can say like, I could get the same, both at the same time. Right. Right. But it's, I guess where you can put the divide is I'm observing someone teaching me or I'm reading something and now I'm going and trying it for myself. Got it.
0: And is that the way? Uh, so how, how do we learn? So if this is how we're going to learn something. How do we learn it faster? It's more I guess deliberate practice. Those are it? the
1: ways to learn it faster. Yeah. I mean, so in terms of skill development, that's definitely part of it. And then there are other things like interleaving, where that? you spend a little bit of time working on one subset of a skill and then you go move to something else deliberately. And that sort of lets your brain be relaxed from the practice on one aspect and yes. get into something else. And then it combines them later on. Right,
0: it's called interweaving? Interleaving. Leaving.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, there's a great book by uh, Barbara Oakley called A Mind for Numbers. Okay. And the title makes you think it's about learning math. The book is entirely about learning how to learn. Learning how to learn, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. What's been the biggest challenge for you then in learning how to learn faster? Wanting to do too many things. It's <laughs> like, I've got 10 hobbies that I'm trying to master right now
1: Yes. skills. One of my favorite stories, it's probably apocryphal, but there's a story about Warren Buffett's pilot who is talking to Warren Buffett and says, I have 25 different skills I wanna learn and what should I do? And uh, he's like, okay, go home and write down all the things you wanna learn. All right, comes back and he's like, here's my list, I've got it. And then he says, all right, now go home and circle the top five you care about. So he goes home, circles the top five that he cares about, comes back, says, I think I understand now. These are the ones I need to focus on the most and I should only work on these ones in my free time. And then Warren Buffett supposedly says, no, the other 20 are your not to-do list because these are what will currently distract you from putting in the actual time and focus on the things you wanna do. And I get a lot of people emailing me like, I've heard that story before and I don't like it because I wanna do these other things. And my response is, your life is long, you know? And the problem that we face right now is not that, oh, I'm gonna spend a year on this, and then what if I don't have another year for that? The problem is, it probably takes us like 20, 30 minutes to get into a good rhythm with whatever we're doing, and a lot of us are just like, I'm gonna put five minutes into this, and then get distracted, and five minutes into that. So the, the real goal here is, can you cull what you're trying to do, cut certain things out to the point where you're able to put a good 30 minutes of practice into something?
0: too in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app state farm lets you do things your way so when you need help protecting the things that matter most remember to say like a good neighbor state farm is there thing yes i know personally that is harder said than or harder done than said that's really hard to do so how many things are you trying to learn right now like on a consistent monthly basis how many skills
1: uh, that's a good question. I mean, right. My life is like weightlifting, trying to buy a house and work at the moment. So, yes.
0: <laughs> gotcha. so, so I guess amazing. it's
1: like, you know, honing my squat form until I can hit my weight goal.
0: So weightlifting is kind of like the main skill you're trying to master you get to a certain level and then, yeah. and then you maintain it essentially, right? That's the goal. Yeah. That's what I want to do right. because
1: I don't want to be one of those giant powerlifters. My dad is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a video circulating somewhere around the internet in the depths of like old school internet where he's in a competition, literally bench pressing 600 pounds and his femur breaks. Wow. On video. Oh man, <laughs> it's that's just crazy. My dad or my, my coach didn't know that my dad was that guy. And uh, I went oh. to his house to film a video and he's like, hang on a second. I've seen that video of your dad. So you, you're not one of those guys who's just lying about your dad benching 600. Like your dad actually did bench 600 pounds. And uh, I was having a conversation with my dad a few years ago about that and about just the, the toll that powerlifting takes on your body. And he's like, you know, if you don't want to be competitive there's a certain weight range you get up to where those weights are legitimately hurting your joints yeah long term right so i want to get to like 500 deadlift 400 squat my bench is kind of where i want it and then go back to like rock climbing and
2: yeah you know versatility yes
1: (laughs) versatility and the ability to do anything athletic i want to do for as long as possible
0: is my main goal that's cool yeah staying staying healthy Mm -hmm. that's the key what about when you're trying to learn these skills for yourself. Do you know that like, okay, with a skill like weightlifting, it's just gonna take me a certain amount of time in order to get to those goals. Mm-hmm. Is that something you go into it with? Or you say, ah, oh, what if I can do, do it faster? What if I can bench and lift? Or are you just like, physically, it won't let me until I reach six, 12 months of getting to that goal.
1: I think it's kind of that.
0: So one thing I'll say here, and this
1: is a little bit tangential, yes. but I used to look at people who were stronger than me and be like, oh man, that guy's way stronger than me weightlifting, especially working with my coach and seeing the progress that my consistent effort brings, I now look at somebody and I'm like, that guy's six weeks ahead of me. Mm. And that's just a really encouraging mindset. That's cool. To look at somebody and not be like, oh, they're better than me and they're gonna be where I am or I'm never gonna get to that level. It's just, they have a little bit of a head start, yeah. And if I'm consistent in my work, I'm gonna get there. Yeah. But with weightlifting specifically, I think we have this thought that we can accelerate anything and publishing and the online content industry mm-hmm. has definitely disseminated this idea that you can hack anything. You can kind of hack weightlifting, but like for especially for a beginner and an intermediate lifter, That's we tough. know the programming progression. We know what it is, and if you're going way too fast, you're either taking exhaustionist testosterone or you are going to hurt yourself some way. And one thing that I constantly get reminded of is like my tendons and ligaments will not. Grow as fast as my muscles. Mm-hmm. They don't get the blood flow. They just don't grow that way. So, even if the musculature is able to be accelerated, I might be injuring myself in another way. Mm-hmm. So for me, I don't eagle lift. I do it because it's satisfying. I do it because I want to stay strong and healthy. But I also do not want to injure myself. Yeah, that's smart. Man. I want to be
0: able to like you know do monkey bars or something. Yeah, that's smart man. What about like um, memory? You know when you're doing so much in your business and personal life. How do you remember the skill? How do you remember these things that you're mm. learning better? I feel like we've lost the art and the ability to remember things. I, th- I think so to a degree. There's probably stuff
1: you do for Spanish that helps you a lot. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, the biggest thing is use. And I, this is not said enough. There's a lot of people who are like, here's how you hack your memory by building a mind palace from right. Sherlock Holmes. Right, right. And we're gonna use this system where you identify objects in your living room Mm -hmm. and then you create a numbering system. I've tried all that kind of stuff. It can work. It's a lot of work. And it's a lot of work that doesn't necessarily feel meaningful a lot of the time. Uh, I think if you have a project that requires it, like going through organic chemistry (laughs) or uh, to go to a language learning example, I was learning Japanese Mm. in 2013. So there was this- Are you fluent? I'm not fluent. I actually remember almost nothing. Wow, really? So that's one point that I'm gonna get to here is, I went through this program uh, as a web app called Wanikani, and it's just amazingly created SRS app. So space repetition, the whole principle is uh, if you can try to make your brain recall something nearest to the point it would forget it, then it's like lifting a heavy weight, right? Mm. It's, you get the best bang for your buck. That does actually work. So that app uses that, it uses these fun mnemonics and it creates like these crazy stories and that does help you remember things. Mm-hmm. But with this use, it goes away. So when I was actually using it, I found that I was able to memorize the kanji and the other, uh, the kana, more easily and faster, but because I haven't been speaking Japanese for years, mm. I forgot all of them. So you've gotta use it consistently. You that's gotta how use you, it.
0: That's how you remember. Mm-hmm.
1: I think if I were to <clears throat> pick up Wani Kani tomorrow and start using it again, it would come back faster. But the biggest <clears throat> component to memory is interest. Your brain has to care about it.
0: Being interested.
1: Yeah. So the biggest thing I say is like, Mm -hmm. can you find a way to get your brain more interested in the thing, whether it's exposing yourself to a story that makes what you're learning a lot more interesting. Like I want to go to Italy now because I played Assassin's Creed two. I'm a gamer. (laughs) You know, I literally got to run around 14th century Italy and I'm like, this is super cool. And now I want to go there and I want to see that stuff in real life. A lot of it still exists. Whereas before I didn't have a huge interest. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing is just like going out and discovering things, exposing right. yourself to new things. And that makes you
0: more interested a lot of the time. And what about, uh, you talk about procrastination as well. Mm-hmm. Why do you think we procrastinate so much? And how do we overcome procrastination so we can get more done? So there's internal and external factors.
1: Uh, the biggest thing comes down to the resistance we feel to engaging in a task. And when we have resistance, we're kind of like electricity and we want to go to something else that's less resistant. So when we have a cell phone sitting on our table that has access to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all these little dopamine hits, (laughs) just like, well, you know, I could try to write this paragraph here, but that's hard. (laughs) Let me just check Twitter really quick. So the biggest thing is how can you tailor your environment so that there is no path of lesser resistance? Uh, There is a great story by this guy, David Shankman, and I mean, this is like, from a carbon perspective, a little wasteful, but he bought a $5,000 ticket to Tokyo from New Jersey, business class, wrote half of his book on the plane, gets off the plane, has a coffee, gets back on the plane, goes back to New Jersey. Writes the rest of his book. Wow. No, there's no
0: Wi-Fi. So just, there's oh, just this computer. This is before. This was like 2011 or planes, 2012. It's, now there's movies no no and Wi-Fi and internet all over the plane. That's
1: true. A lot of people used to swear by the plane being like their the one sanctuary. Place. And now yeah. it's like, uh-oh. So there are also things like, you know, the writer's retreats. I've seen one that's like a cabin in the middle of Georgia in the woods, you could just go out there and there's no phone, no service, no yes. nothing, just write. Um, you don't have to do anything that drastic though. You know, Just turn your phone off. And maybe if you have the ability, set up an area in your home or at the office, if you have an office like this, mm-hmm. that doesn't have access to all that stuff. Right. So I'll like literally turn my internet off on my laptop if I need to write sometimes. And you just, just focus. Yeah, because I want to increase the resistance it would take to go to do something else, there's a principle called the 20 second rule. I think Sean Aker came up with this. And 20 mm. seconds is not a scientific number here, but the principle is what is the activation energy required to do anything? So if it's something you want to do less, increase the activation energy. I remember when I was a kid, my mom would take the power cord to our PlayStation and we have to ask her for it Mm. because my brother and I were getting a little bit too obsessed with video games. (laughs) So you know, that's a little bit of like, you have to ask her, but also it just makes it harder Mm. to go play the PlayStation. And then if you wanna do something more, decrease the activation energy. So I wanna play guitar more. Guitar is not in the case, it's on the
0: stand, somewhere where I walk by every day so Mm. I can just pick it up and play. Yeah, make it easier for you to play it Mm -hmm. than it being in the closet or something like that. Yeah. Um, What about managing our time? I know you've done a lot of studies with, I think, Elon and Benjamin Franklin about, like, how they manage their time and being more productive. Mm -hmm. What have you learned from, I guess, these great individuals who have created amazing things on time management?
1: So learn stuff from them, learn stuff from my own experimentation. There are some different ways of doing it. So, like, the the Ben Franklin method is, like, time box your whole day. And that works for some people. It hasn't stuck for me so I've presented what, it in what a few he, videos. What do, you,
0: what do you do? It
1: basically just like actually create a schedule for, for your yourself. Whole day. Yeah. yeah. And then Cal Newbert has an actual, I think a better version of this, where he says, list out your schedule on the left side of a piece of paper. And you're trying to make estimations of how long things are gonna take. And then as the day goes on, kind of recreate your schedule because it's always going to be different Shipping. than you thought. Yes. So a huge reason for this is um, something called the segmentation effect, where when we, predict how long something will take. If I give you the whole, we think it'll take way less time than if I give you all the different parts. So how long will it take for me to do my Lewis House interview? I think three hours. How long will it take for me to get dressed, get showered, drive to LA, Mm. find the parking spot, get to the office, get the coffee, actually start recording. I think we did that maybe 15 minutes after we planned. Mm. Mm. It's gonna take a little bit longer. That is also combined with the fact that we basically conflate best case with average case. Mm. So when I'm like, how long does it take to get to work? I think, what's the best time I've ever had to get to work? That's right. how long it just takes in my head. So mm. I actually love this little feature. Uh, I use Fantastical. I don't know if you've ever used fantastic it. Cal. fantastic Cal. Fantastical. I wish Cal. they would make a Windows app or a web app. It's only for Mac and iPhone, but they have a thing where you can say, when, when when's my event? And then it will tell you when to leave based on the estimated drive time <laughs> plus a window. I was surprised. It took me less time to get here this morning than it would've in the middle of the afternoon yesterday. But it was like estimated 44 minute drive and then I can say, all right, add 15 minutes to that. That's when it pings me. Wow. So that's nice.
0: That's cool. Where are you staying?
1: Uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, where are you, you staying? i staying in Malibu. Okay, a friend yeah. of mine just recently moved out there. So yeah, I was just yeah. like, hey, I've got a bedroom.
0: It's a drive out there for it, sure.
1: That PCH though
0: know, oh, man. It,
1: it had to, I've never view. driven it
0: before, it's, it's, and what? I've always wanted to. Oh man! And I'm like, this is amazing. Oh no, it's worth the drive if you're yes. the mountains, the ocean, being in I, Idaho. Uh, right? I'm Iowa, in Denver. Iowa and Denver. Yeah, it's yeah. a different, it's a different vibe. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. You got the nice mountains out in Denver though. We do, yeah. Driving the 70 in the mountains is incredible. Yeah, and what? So what did Elon do then to master his time management and, and
1: uh, From the article name? I read, it was the same thing. Really? Just time boxing. Time boxing. So it's just estimating your schedule. And I don't want to harp too much on time boxing because a lot of people try it and just doesn't stick. So what I think is more effective is just having a habit of planning your day out. Um, I would often do it on a whiteboard. I do it in a little sticky note area of notion now that I have. And it's just knowing, okay, what's on my schedule? Mm -hmm. What are the gaps of time I have between those scheduled items, and you know, what can I realistically get done? If I have an hour, I know I'm not writing an article. Because mm. it's gonna take me way too long to get into the flow yeah, of writing. I need two hours, three hours. And then planning out what you want to accomplish during the day that isn't a scheduled thing. Yeah. And then trying to keep that limited. You know, and I still struggle with
0: this. I'll be like, I can get six or seven things done to do. No, you can really get like one good thing done, or <laughs> like maybe two, three max, right? It's like, yep. My friend Tiago recently tweeted, uh, when
1: I was 25 I would drink coffee and feel like I could do everything. At 30, I would drink coffee, and I feel like I could do anything.
0: Now I drink it, and I feel like I could do something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I could do something today, yeah. Um, what about the habits of the most highly organized people? What do they do differently than most people don't do? What mm. So the habits? Well, we're talking about organization. Are we talking about morning routines? I'm like, uh, thinking about the most productive people. What are the habits of the most productive people? Well, I guess we need to know what the what the specific habit we're talking about is. So
1: like, if you said most organized people, right? Yeah. They have a system.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And
1: I think about, my, my favorite example is Library of Congress. 39 million books, 865 miles of shelves. Imagine if there was no organizational system for that. You would take, I, th- I did the math on this and it was like 17 months of, I estimated like, you, know, you could look at two books a second. <laughs> and it's like 17 months to see every single one of those if you never took a bathroom break. And uh, with the Library of Congress classification system, you can find a book in seconds. It's wow. just, treat, I know how to get to it. So people who are organized have a system for the inputs that come into their lives, they know where they should go, and they realize that this might take a little bit longer in the moment, but it mm. makes you easily able to find whatever you need, and that makes you a lot more effective.
0: What systems should we be implementing in our life to be more organized and optimized? So uh, just a few, and I don't wanna
1: like, overwhelm people, but you know, where are you putting your tasks? Where do you capture ideas? Uh, and how do you organize your living space? Can you easily find the things that you need to find? And does your space feel so cluttered that you can't focus?
0: How important is living space to becoming more productive and organized in your career and in your life? It depends. It's more important for people who are less obsessed it's more important for people who are less obsessed. So maybe. yeah, like
1: if you're absolutely obsessed about something, you know, it doesn't matter if your workspace is messy. I've seen people personally, I've been like absolutely obsessed with the zoned times, in a thing. you don't care. You're like, uh, right? yeah. So, but we go through periods of fluctuation in our lives where we are more or less obsessed with something that we should still be putting effort into to build. Mm-hmm. And when we're in that, you know, more chill period of our lives, I think the organizational systems matter more. Basically, is the brain hyper obsessed about something? Are we super intense about it? Okay, cool. A lot of this productivity stuff goes out the window. You're just going to make it work. Yeah. yeah. I honestly believe that. And that's why a lot of people are like, all these productivity steps are stupid. That's because they're obsessed. They're like, they I'm just getting it done. It doesn't matter. They don't need it. And they're not watching productivity content. Right. If you're watching my videos, it's probably <laughs> because you're not that obsessed right now. And so if you're not that obsessed right now, there are things you can do to make yourself more effective mm, or to sort of push your brain over that hump of resistance. Why don't people just become obsessed? Uh, That's the question, right? (laughs) Why are people not obsessed with the thing they're doing? I I mean, that's a good question. I wish I knew. Uh, I wish I could make myself obsessed about things. I remember being 15 years old and not caring about anything in the world except for the Final Fantasy game I was playing. Mm. I remember being 19 and not caring about anything in the world except for, I wanna make this tweak to my homepage on my blog. I'm going to learn PHP until I can do it. I care about nothing else. And then there are just times in your life where you don't have that. And it's like this elusive thing. Yeah. So I don't know, the biggest things that help me are if if I'm feeling overwhelmed, try to take a break. Mm-hmm. Every time I try to take a break, it's like at the beginning, trying to convince myself, take the break, take the vacation, or just take a day off. No, I have to get things done. And then at the end of the break, I'm like, hang on a second, I'm getting ideas that I would uh, never have considered or they wouldn't have come to you me. you took a break. Because I took a break. Yes. So rest is probably a piece of that. You know that cycle of Work and rest is probably very pertinent to our discussion of how do we get obsessed with things. It's probably we need some time to rest.
0: And I feel like it kind of goes in with self-discipline a little bit as well. Like if you're obsessed, you're disciplined. I feel like if you're not obsessed, you're kind of like, "Uh, what's the point of this? And you're kind of lazier. Mm -hmm. How do we get to a place of more self-discipline? Or is that not the right thing we should be thinking about? I think we should. Yeah. And
1: my favorite thing here is accountability. Mm -hmm. So how can we get accountability I made a video recently called the five levels of self-discipline and the model here is different types of accountability that can augment your own self-discipline so as a baseline i do believe we can become more disciplined individuals internally through practice mm-hmm. if you start and this is a terrible example for me because i hate it but if you start meditating you can maybe do three minutes today next yeah. week you can go for five minutes mm-hmm. that's an increase of self-discipline and an increase in your ability to hold your focus on one object but can you add accountability or maybe a better word for this is duty into the mix and augment your own internal self-discipline um i want to go research this more but i read once that like prisoners who were given dogs became much better caretakers of themselves too there's some accountability and
0: duty there i've been in a prison and done a talk in in prisons and i went to a prison here in lancaster near la where there was a program where they were training dogs mm-hmm. rehabilitating and training dogs and then uh, they would go out into the outside of the prison for special care individuals who needed dogs mm-hmm. and they were so self-disciplined they were great they were loving they were caretaking these dogs got to sleep in the in the cell with them so they can train oh, nice. them overnight Yeah. And I, I, so I watched this, I witnessed this one time, and it was, it was cool to see that they were taking care of themselves as they were taking care of the animal as well, which is mm-hmm. cool to see. So, I mean, that's really cool to
1: see, and I'm yeah. glad to get a little bit of confirmation on yeah, that. Yeah. I want to do more research on it, but it kind of goes back to something I've often thought, which is that duty is one of the most important things we have for our will to live, our will to do things, our motivation. And I almost worry that, like, modern society sort of gets rid of the duty-bound obligations we have to each other in our immediate relationships Mm. because it's no longer like, now I have to do something for my village, It's I just gotta work for this company. Mm. And it's it's just much more abstracted. When I feel that I have a duty to somebody else, I don't have any trouble getting myself to do it. When I'm just like, I want to work out for me, then it's (laughs) only if I'm obsessed, you know? If I'm like, I really care about it because I just love this thing, I'll do it. But if it's like, I should do this, Because I should do this for me. There's no motivation there. Right. So I think the self-discipline is. Yes. So five levels. Yes. Duty yourself. Duty to self. Which is augmented by external commitment devices. So this could be as simple as a habit tracker. I check it off every day and I see it in a physical Mm -hmm. manifestation that I've done it. Uh, level two, accountability partners. This one is where people get tripped up. I have seen a lot of people be like, "Well, it's each other's accountability partners, and if you don't write your thing, oh, you got to pay me fifty bucks, and if I don't write my thing, I'll pay you fifty bucks." I did this once. We both didn't write our thing, and we both just kept the money. We'll just keep the money. (laughs) Pretend that we swapped. So uh, I did one that was much more successful, where I told my best friend, "Hey, I'm gonna read um, what was it, 25 minutes of nonfiction every day, and here's a spreadsheet where I will be logging my pages." I'll pay you a hundred bucks if I don't do even one day. And so he kept me to it. Now I had two friends who were like, in did my- you, Did you was, miss a day was, or no? I did not miss a day. There were days where I was like, it was 11.55 like, oh, in I the gotta... basement like, I <laughs> had uh, <laughs> two roommates, the one is just like, yep, I'll hold you accountable and I don't want your filthy money if you fail. So don't fail. And then the other one was just like, why well, can't I be the person who gets the spreadsheet and I'm gonna try to sabotage you, I want the hundred bucks. So I think it matters, like, number one, what's the system you have in place? And number two, is that person the type of person who wants the best?
2: Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh-generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at SeventhGeneration.com.
3: It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. For you,
1: will they actually hold your feet to the fire? Will they not try to sabotage you? Do they want you to succeed
0: and do what you want? Gotcha. So wait, did you go with the guy who didn't want to take your money?
1: Uh, yes. That's my friend Martin. Uh, he now works with me. He's gotcha. Like, so he's is like that, my CEO. Is, at so this is point. it
0: better to have that, or someone who's like, "I want you to do it, but if you don't, you're still got to pay me"? I mean, I, or well, I mean, he
1: would have taken my
0: money. Okay, got he got just you. didn't. He didn't want to take my, my other
1: friend was like, "Oh, I'm gonna sabotage ah, you. Got just you like, got get you. your money like that." Yeah, yeah. So if you got those kind of people around you, like, gotcha. you want
0: people who want the best for you, right? Of course. So he's gotta check in on you. Hey, you haven't logged in today. Mm-hmm. And, and he would text me. He he's like, "Where's my pages?" That's cool. I'm gonna take your hundred bucks. So accountability is. So that's level two, accountability Crucial partners. Crucial for self service I think so. Yeah. I
1: think if we have accountability, you know, things are much better. Okay. Three is the professionalized version of this. Coaches, teachers, people you hire, and they have the advantage of often, you know, hopefully if they're qualified, often having uh, knowledge of the skill itself so they can provide guidance and sequencing and help you feedback. to steer clear from the wrong directions, give you feedback. So yeah, I don't want my... Uh, best friend to be my lifting coach because he is not certified no idea, yeah. for biomechanical and right. you know, all that kind of stuff. My coach can be like, "Yeah, your squat form is going to lead to an injury if you mm-hmm. don't fix this, this, and this." Mm-hmm. So he also is my accountability burner, but right. he's also my professional coach. Right. Okay. Uh, and then four and five uh, accountability to a team. Accountability to a team. So you know you've got accountability to your staff and vice versa. They know that if they don't do something, it's not just that you're going to say I'm disappointed in you. It's that. I have now lost something because you didn't do what you said you'd do. Mm -hmm. That's more important, or that's more powerful. And then five is leadership. Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of like 4.5. But when you're the leader, you're at the top. And uh, that I don't think is an accountability hack because that's a lot of responsibility to take on. So you sort of need to earn that. But I think it's
0: part of the model because it is the highest level of accountability. Mm -hmm. And if if you don't show up and be accountable to yourself and to the team or to the community, you're gonna not be in that position anymore. Yes. Right. So it's like, you've gotta to continue to be disciplined in order to stay in that position if you want to and set the yeah. example of discipline.
1: And, and you realize that if you're a leader and you fail the people who are looking to follow Ooh. you, you hurt them, you know? Whew. And if you're on a team, you hurt them, you can probably hurt somebody as well. But if you're the leader, you have the most potential to hurt people mm. if you don't follow through. Absolutely. Which is a lot of pressure.
0: They're relying on you, your skills, the the money you might bring in, to be paying them, whatever it is. Right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, I, I'm sure it
1: keeps you awake at night. keeps yeah. me awake at night. My team relies on me more than anybody else in the team. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah.
0: Where do you struggle with the most when it comes to self-discipline? Oh, really, that's a good
1: question. Um, probably. What, probably part of, what part of your life do you struggle with the most? It's probably sticking to things
0: that don't have a tight deadline mm, so it's like a made-up deadline like I want to do this by now but yeah made up my publisher doesn't are, need this my team doesn't need this it's like I mean I want this that's what it is yep. it's like me been wanting to write the my book for the last year and a half but mm-hmm. it's, but I wanted to self-publish it this time and I'm like well there's no <laughs> there's no publisher like forcing me which is yeah. those deadlines are so crucial yep. I feel like and I
1: feel like there, there are things that used to really motivate me that don't anymore yeah so I used to like use what? this website called beminder. Where you could literally bet money that you would do things, and I still think it's pretty, uh, pretty powerful. useful. And you can hook it up to any like API, so it's like you can hook it up to Runkeeper to make sure you ran enough or whatever. Mm. And there's like a graph, just make sure you go up enough. Uh, and when I was building my business, like five six years ago, that was incredibly effective. I set a book goal, I set a blogging goal, mm. and like without fail for three years, it was like blog post every week, YouTube video every week, podcast every week. Um, I set a goal to write 500 words a day for my book, and I got my book done in two months. Wow. But now, like oh. I've tried it again and again and again, it doesn't, which, it doesn't seem to work as much anymore. So I what feel like I am cy- at What was the site called? Uh, it's called Minder, like, with a like a bee with a stinger. Um, I also used Habitica, which is a habit tracker that is video game based. So you get a character and you get experience points and gear and stuff. Okay. And that was also super motivated for me. But now it's time. not. At this point, it's become like,
0: I need to hire a coach or somebody to actually yell at me. <laughs> yes, I hear you, man. I mean, it's like when you're, well, you weren't really starting out, but you were kind of in the, I guess the the earlier part of your journey, right? At yes. that phase. Um, and I think when you're at that phase, it's easier to get motivated because you, you haven't created something yet. So you're like, mm-hmm. let me get this out there. Let me start building it. It's like, if I want to have a bigger channel, I got to do this every week or every month and be yep. consistent. Now that you've reached these kind of goals at a bigger stage, it's like, well, is getting another million followers really gonna like, you know, impact something or creating more content gonna impact this? It's like, you've already done these things that were hard to do. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I've already written a number of books. It's like, okay, I need a a deeper level of discipline, of service to a community. Like, well, how can I serve? Now I'm doing a disservice by not putting this out there. Mm -hmm. I'm hurting people by not doing this if I have a knowledge base or something I can share with people. So it's like yes. making that my discipline. And that's hard to that's do. Hard, like hard, man. There's a little voice in my head that's like, you shouldn't care
1: if you don't care about the next million followers because this is important information, you should put it out there. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't make the brain actually take it seriously, then it's not a good argument. There's right. gotta be something else that's put in there. It's
0: has gotta be something meaningful for you too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, what am I gonna gain from this? Yep. Otherwise, it's just like okay, I'm creating the create. There's got to be some reward, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Well, I it's mean, internal I guess... external, right? Yes. I th- yeah, I think you
1: hit the nail on the head there. It's either some kind of internal reward or an external reward, mm-hmm. but some kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So you struggle with what specifically? Cre- with
1: uh, the fake deadlines. So...
0: <laughs> what's the de- What's the deadlines you're wanting to? Create yeah. So right like now? with my YouTube
1: channel, it's like the de- <laughs> The actual deadline is like the end of the month. <laughs>
0: To launch the channel?
1: to No, for like for, for like, a, like a YouTube video. Like, gotcha, oh, yeah. a sponsor's like, we need this video to go live. Okay, the last month. day
0: of the month. So yeah. it's like,
1: okay. Um, and, and often it's not like I'm goofing around until the last day of the month, but it's like, I could probably make this video in a week and I kind of want to do this other thing over here. Or it'll be like, um, okay, I'm, I've got two full weeks. I'm gonna make the ultimate guide to focus. Nice. This is gonna be the greatest YouTube video ever. And then you wait till the last minute. Or I don't, or I'm just working on it. And I'm like, okay, well, N plus one rule, why don't I go find one more study just to make this that much more thorough? Mm. And then I get to, you know, four days before publishing and I realize I've written a 30-minute video that's like 15 minutes of me just blabbing statistics and no one cares about it.
0: Mm. What's the N plus so, one
1: rule? Well, I, I think I just made that up right now. but <laughs> It's sort of like just that, well, I could go get one more study result and it would be that much more thorough. And I guess like this, this sort of is uh, more generally known in like hobby communities, like, the N plus run, one rule in mountain biking is, well, the number of bikes you should own is N plus one, where N is the number of bikes you own right now. There's always another bike to buy. Right. I have a downhill bike, but I don't have an enduro bike, or I don't have a fat bike, so I better buy that one too. An electric bike, or like Yeah, there's always something to get. Right, Or same with camera lenses. N plus one rule is
0: like notorious in the camera community. Really? So getting more lenses as opposed to what actually just doing the shooting. mm -hmm. Or or just being okay with having your current collection. There's always another and I'll just use this, right? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of like an author. It's like always looking for more research and more data to add to the, you know, to the book. Right. Yeah. And I think the extra bit with the N plus one rule
1: with authors is we know that the really hard work is crafting the story and cutting things down and making it polished going out and finding research is by comparison much easier much easier. so much easier i can go and take notes on research all day but like figuring out how to make a compelling story around that that's difficult yes
0: (laughs) man um you talk about you do videos on the morning routine and, and the importance of them you've also shot videos on how you used to do it and now you do things differently now how important has the morning routine been for you in staying disciplined and setting good habits and actually accomplishing your goals? How mm. important has it been for you? I think it is important. I think the specific
1: habits are important to your mm-hmm. current goals at the time. So if I'm like, I really wanna learn Japanese, I do believe that me getting up and learning Japanese in the morning was actually the most important thing for me to do because again, going back to the accountability angle here, I have a limited amount of energy during the day if I have something I need to do that requires me to pull on my own self-discipline, I should put that first so I can then use external self-discipline and accountability to
0: power through the rest of the day. It's interesting you say that because the first eight months I was learning Spanish, I was doing it at the end of the day around mm-hmm. like five, six o'clock and I was literally falling asleep on the screen because so dr- like, it was so hard in my brain, Yeah, like memorizing these simple, you know, not simple, for me it was challenging, but I was like, I've already used a lot of my energy for the day to like focus and now i'm asking myself to be so focused on something that's extremely hard and i just be like falling asleep i said i need to do this first thing in the morning so now i do 8 a.m it's still hard is it working better it's working way better nice it's working better because now i'm waking myself up in the process but it's way better because i have energy through the rest of the day yes which is is easier for me as opposed to like i don't have any energy to focus on this at at the end of the day Mm mm-hmm so that's interesting that you were doing it in the morning as well. I'm trying to move my workouts in the morning too. Cause then it's done and you feel like I accomplished yep. this and I don't have to wait uh, at six o'clock and I had this meeting and this thing came up and this article took longer, Yep, I wanna, I wanna keep going and then it's nine o'clock and you work out. It's a Plus, lot harder. Plus the big thing for me is, so
1: I do not have any trouble getting my workouts done for the most part uh-huh. because I have my coach. What I have trouble is Getting the workout done in a reasonable amount of time. Right. Because I lift a lot of big weights, man. So I could take five minutes rest to get on my phone, like. And in the morning, I feel like I need to get to work. So yeah. I've noticed going in in the morning, like my coach will tell me this. He's like, "Dude, when I go to work out, like my warm up sets, I do them immediately. There's no rest between warm ups, and I do three minute rest between my sets. And I'm like, I think I rest about three minutes, nice. and I time Seven it, minutes. and I'm like." This workout had five exercises, three of which are little accessories in a loop, and yet it took me two hours. How is wow. that possible? Okay, I was on my phone way more than three minutes between sets. Yes. So in the morning, there's that pressure, and I'm like, cool, I will wait three minutes and no more between squat sets. I don't care if I fail a rep. Mm. And then he tells me that he's like, yeah, well, I don't care if you fail a rep, because if you're waiting like a day between sets, like you're not really right. getting the right tension you need. Right. So why, yeah. not,
0: why not just leave your phone at home? I should do that. I or mean, turn part, your so Wi-Fi of off. It, or
1: turn the Wi-Fi off. I absolutely should do and that. And cell service, yeah. The, the one thing I don't like about weightlifting is even three minutes between sets is like just, okay, what am I doing? Right. Sitting around waiting. I should
0: breathe, meditate, focus on the reps. <laughs> I'm going gonna go harder this next one. Yeah.
1: I Definitely hear you. get like the mind-muscle connection in the, in the set, but then in the, the rest periods, I'm like, I need something to do. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: I hear you, man. Um, For me, so, I have to
1: film my sets too, so.
0: Yeah. Turn the Wi-Fi off, you know? Turn absolutely the, I could absolutely turn, turn the, turn the Wi-Fi off. off.
1: Airplane mode.
0: Or just get a camera, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: But I think you know the morning actually solves it. Yes. Like even if I do Focus, check Twitter yeah. between sets, like I'm I know, okay, I really want to be working mm-hmm. in like the next hour. So let's gotcha. just get it done.
0: So what else in the morning routine has you have you seen as crucial for people?
1: Um, this is a simple, but water, sunlight, movement. Yeah. People feel so groggy when they wake up and these three things help more than anything else to make you feel awake and to hopefully not hit the snooze button. So I have an iPad downstairs with an alarm that goes off three minutes after my main one. Mm. This sucks every single morning. You gotta get up. Because I hear my re- my regular alarm, I'm like, okay, I really want to hit snooze. And I'll start negotiating like, well, I could have snooze for two minutes. That's enough. And then I realize, <laughs> okay, no, that's not enough. I better just get up. And then my cat wants food too, uh-huh. so I get up, but then it's like, I'm groggy. If I at least look out the window, drink a glass of water, and get just a little bit of walking. Mm -hmm. That's great, like I feel much better. And then I try to go for a walk, like 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, It's not that fun right now, because I live in the suburbs, which is why I'm trying to move back into Denver downtown, (laughs) because I will go for a walk every single day and be stoked
0: about it down there. Right, yeah, it's hard in the suburbs. Just looking at
1: he just realized there's nothing else to look like. It's just
0: other houses. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. People walking their dogs, maybe, or something. Yeah. Dude, this is a big
1: thing, and I realize everyone has their own opinion on this, but mm-hmm. um, purposeful movement is something that we don't get a lot of. If we live out in the suburbs, it's like you have to convince yourself to move your body, otherwise. You stay inside. Especially if we work at home, it's like I have my house. I yeah. walk from the bedroom to my home office, and I do my work And... If I want to work out, I have to convince myself to do it for the sake of working out. Mm -hmm. It's just so much better when you're like, okay, I'm going to go for a walk because I need to go to the store, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to get like a mile of walking in. It's just so much, I don't know. I love it and I want to live
0: my life that way. Yeah. I love it, man. Um, I want to talk about habits again. Mm -hmm? If someone is trying to, I guess, build a new habit, what do you think are a few important things they can do to make that habit stick?
1: okay Uh, stay with them there's definitely a few things we can do i love that level one of accountability Mm -hmm. in the beginning can you get an external system yep and this not only adds a little bit of augmentation to your self-discipline but it also allows you to create a record of that habit so in the beginning the habit isn't a habit it's a self-discipline driven behavior that is new to your life and you may have some novelty driving it in the, in the beginning, but eventually uh, great book by Seth Godin. You get this this dip the thing, dip. the dip. We probably part. talked about yeah. the dip. Uh, one of my all-time recommendations for people to read, it's especially great. if you're starting a business. Uh, you hit that part where the novelty is worn off. Now it's hard and you just need to slog through. Mm-hmm. And it's not a habit yet. So if you have something that is sort of giving you a bit of accountability and if you have something that is helping you track it so you see a record of your streak, that's incredibly powerful. 22nd yeah. rule is also very good as well. How can you decrease mm. the activation energy to make it easy to do? So What does that mean? I'm going to do this for 20 seconds. So no, 22nd rule again is a it's not it's uh, I didn't explain the 20 seconds yeah. part of the 22nd rule. So in the book The Happiness Advantage, he talks about how if you want to do something more often uh, make it take less than 20 seconds to start doing it. Mm-hmm. If you wanna do it less often, make it take more than 20 seconds. So take the power cord out of your Xbox gotcha. and throw it in the drawer yeah. or put the guitar on the stand. So if it's a new habit, what can you do to make it easier for yourself to get into it? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's like working out, um, can I build a home gym? Like yeah. my gym is out in my garage now. It's super easy to go out into. to. Nice. I skip workouts less. Uh, I'm moving to a house where my I won't be able to have that. But yeah. I've got a friend who's like, I will meet you at this gym every day. So there's the accountability part. So, you know, make it easier to do, or make it more, uh, I guess, make somebody
0: have you accountable. Yeah. What would you say are some weird habits that you've seen successful people do differently that, I guess, normal people don't do? That's attributed to their success. It's like, oh, I don't get up early and walk and drink water, but I do this other thing. Have you heard any of these things, or have you tried something?
1: Well, I'll go on the the early thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like So many people think you have to get up early. And I don't know what it is, but if you're just like, here's my epic morning routine, or here's why I wake up at four in the morning, people latch onto that stuff. And I don't know, there must just be something in like the basal ganglia, that's like, if I have the same morning as a successful person, then I will be just as successful as they are in my real life, and that's not true uh, necessarily. But Mm -hmm. also there are plenty of people who are super successful going to bed at like 2 a.m. and waking up at noon. So the biggest thing mm. is realize everyone has a different chronotype, yes. which is your propensity <laughs> to go to sleep and wake up at different times. How does the sun and sunset affect your circadian rhythms? It's different for everyone. Some people just sleep later and go to bed later. My fiance is a great example. She will stay up until like 2 a.m. without me telling her to go to bed. Right. But then she's like writing a book at 2 a.m. And me like, nope, it's gotta be the morning for me. Really? So figure out like, when do you have the most energy? And then ask yourself, am I getting enough sleep?
0: That's so much more important than waking up at 5 a.m. Yeah, and structure your your life around that. Mm-hmm. When you have the most energy and are you getting enough sleep? Because sleep yeah. is important in my opinion. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I have like an interesting weird habit off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if someone's struggling with being a perfectionist, like mm. they're not launching their thing, they're not doing the thing they want to do because it's got to be perfect beforehand, I guess and they're, or they're just not able to finish a project. What would you say to that about perfectionism? So
1: I do have a video on perfectionism if people want more on this But my favorite thing for overcoming perfectionism is what I call the 1% rule Okay, this is why I am a youtuber with a successful channel instead of a dead channel with like three videos <laughs> so Put yourself on a schedule mm. could be once a week Could be once a month, depends on the scope of what you're trying to do, but try to put yourself on a schedule and with each piece of work that you create, try to identify one area where you wanna get 1% better. Give me an example. So, uh, I wanna make a video and I think my audio sucks. Mm. This video, I'm going to figure out how do I position my microphone and add some sound treatment to my space to make the, the sound better. Or there's one where I actually made a tweet thread documenting this process wow. um this guy on youtube mondo bites has this amazing cinema-like quality of his mm. a-roll it just looks so good and i'm like i'm gonna recreate that i want to figure out how to make my a-roll way better right now i look like a dude sitting in a bedroom with light like the overhead light on
0: okay so <laughs> mondo we got bites is his name
1: mondo bites is his channel i believe okay. his name is armando i forget his last name um, well, more i don't want to butcher the pronunciation yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's got like you know you're the colored color light behind me and I've got a key mm. light here and I've got this like cool grid thing on the, the mm. fill light and a hair light. Oh, so I gotta add a hair light. And I'm not thinking about a million other things, it's just I wanna have the best A-roll possible for this video and I get it on schedule and the next video I've now ingrained mm. the techniques I learned from that one and I can either have it automated, like that A-roll I could just leave like, set up always, yeah. or it's just gonna become much easier to do in the future. So the biggest thing you realize is If you're on the schedule and you're improving a little bit every time, 365 videos down the road, you're like, I've made 365 improvements and I've been able to use maybe not all of them, but a lot of them in every video since. And you realize that there was stuff you would have never even known to do in the beginning.
2: Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. Or when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing, so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of Seventh Generation. Find Seventh Generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at SeventhGeneration.com.
3: It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating
1: Like, the biggest realization of a perfectionist is you cannot make perfect work because you haven't done enough work yet to understand what perfect would even mean to you in five years. Right. And what's perfect now
0: is not going to look perfect in five years. Exactly. Martin look, Scorsese probably yeah. has a vision of what perfect is in his head and he can't make it. You can't make it. You know? It. Yeah, and I look back at my previous books and I'm like people are still buying them and loving them, but I'm like, ah, but when I say it that way now, when I do it this way, ah, this was a little off, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like you look at it differently with more time and space. Yeah, but something that, I
1: mean, you probably realize this as well, um, that should make you feel better about your work is like you look back on it and you're like, okay, there's a better way I could have done that, Mm -hmm. but I was still proud of it when I put it out. Absolutely.
0: And people are benefiting from it. Absolutely, and that's the key. Mm -hmm. Why do you think we judge ourselves so frequently or so worried about the opinions of other people that that holds us back so much? What do you think that I'm is? I'm not sure why, but I mean, I definitely feel it. You feel it personally too?
1: Yeah, I feel like less than other people. Like I don't look back on my old work and cringe. I have people who are like, I never watch a video after I make it or I'll go back and watch my old videos and I think they're terrible. I don't. I'll go back and see a video from five years ago, and I'm like, that was a pretty good video. Like, there was definitely some stuff I could have done better, but, and I'll remember little things I had done. Again, going back to the intrinsic motivated artistic stuff, I'm like, yeah, I remember that little stupid Spider Man joke I threw (laughs) in there. That's a lot of fun. So I don't cringe about my stuff, and I realize, like, I'm trying to teach people who are just a few steps behind me. Mm -hmm. And that was me a few steps behind where I am now. Like, I was proud of the work.
0: Yeah. And how do you manage your day-to-day right now? Do you have a, a, a big team, is it a small team? Are you still doing a lot of the work yourself? You know, what are you doing to accelerate your growth?
1: Small team right now, mm-hmm. so I got my editor Tony and my CEO, Martin, who are the main guys. I just hired a personal assistant. Actually, very, very good decision. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned that every time I've delegated, it's been like this painful process, like pulling a tooth, but then I end up making more money and mm-hmm. having a better life and the only trade-off is I now have a team to worry about and that does you know, make me think more seriously about planning out, war chest. Like, when I was by myself, I could just drop everything and work at McDonald's if I had to, if everything right, went right. to hell.
0: But, but now you're like, okay, we gotta have money in six months, and a year, Yeah. I can pay for people, which goes back to level five of your that's leadership. self-discipline, which is leadership. Mm-hmm. So it's forcing you to level up your personal leadership skills. And, Absolutely. And, and start strategizing, thinking the future as opposed to, well, if I wake up tomorrow and nobody's coming in, I can, you know, get by on a couch or something. You know? Yep. I remember your story yeah, about yeah, sleeping on your sister's yeah, couch. Yeah, a year yeah. and a half, man. And it, here's the thing. She she gave me great accountability because after a year and a half of living for free, rent-free, eating her food, just kind of like feeling like a bum. Mm-hmm. I was still of like obsessively learning and and trying to master skills during that time, but I w- wasn't forced to make money. Right? I wasn't forced right. to yet because I had a free place to stay. Mm-hmm. I wanted it, but I wasn't forced to. She gave me a great gift where she said, Okay, Lewis, you've been here a year and a half. It's time you either move out or start paying rent. Yeah. And and so I said, Okay. I'm moving out and I'm moving here with my brother. <laughs> I, asked my, I went to like the next thing, okay, hey bro, can I stay here for a few months for free? Yeah. And he said, my wife wants you to pay. So maybe they coordinated and say, you gotta pay somehow. Right. So he only charged me 250 bucks a month for a room, which mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I gotta start strategizing the future. I gotta start planning, taking action, taking risks, putting myself out there in, a, in an uncomfortable way. And that was a great accountability for me. It was like, okay, I've got to pay something. Mm -hmm. I got to learn how to make some money. And it forced me to move forward. So, yeah, it was powerful.
1: I actually want to ask you. Go ahead. So, I'm in a period of my life now where I'm buying this new house, and there is definitely this idea in the entrepreneurship community Mm -hmm. that you should spend lavishly to force yourself. Mm. To make more money interesting and then there's the other side where it's just like no You should live Spartan and save uh-huh. as much as possible and you shouldn't need like there's definitely like I'm, p- I'm gonna pay more for this house right. And I don't think that's my motivation my motivation is I really don't want to be in the suburbs But yes. there's a part of me. that's like maybe this is also good for my motivation
0: and maybe I should go get a big office, too I think it's Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you my my personal experience. I went from Living for free To them paying $250 a month. Mm -hmm. And then after I think it was six months there, I was like, okay, I need to get out of this place, you know? And my um, sister in law was pregnant, and I was just like, you know, they had their own family. And I was like, I gotta be in a grown man, right? Right. I'm like 25 at this point, 26. And I was like, I gotta get my own space. So I found the cheapest apartment I could find in Columbus, Ohio. I didn't have a car at the time, and I was like, I need to be able to walk, and it was downtown. So $495 a month. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, how am I gonna pay $500 a month? I didn't have the money. Right. And I signed up. I was like, maybe I've got three months to be able to pay for this. Mm -hmm. But then I don't know what I'm going to do after that. By right when I signed like the lease for the year, my brain just started thinking differently. And I remember a year and a half, two years later, I moved to New York City. And I was paying $2,700 for one month of an Airbnb. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, this is like six months of rent in Ohio. What am I doing? This is (laughs) insane. Right. I was like, this is insanity. And within the first week, it was only maybe in the first couple of days, I remember walking out just feeling abundant Mm -hmm. and saying, I'm in this environment, in the city, there's people around, people have opportunities, money, I just need to go meet them and go create something. Then I started paying $3,700 a month in New York City the next month for the next year and a half. And my income exponentially grew. Then I moved to LA and I started paying, you know, more than that. for a place for six years and thinking, this is like crazy. I can't believe I'm spending this much money. Mm -hmm. My income grew. Then I moved a couple years ago to way more, uh, thinking to myself, this is nuts. I don't even own this. I'm just paying rent. (laughs) You're just thinking, okay, every year I'm spending how much money that's just going out the door. But my, and I got an office space and I'm paying more money. Opportunities grew. Mm -hmm. I started to think differently. So for me, I have been a fan of like, if I feel stuck, it's not like I want to splurge and just spend a lot of money because I don't do that in my normal life. Yeah. I'm not out here like buying watches and cars. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty frugal with the rest of my money, but I know the environment, my living space, when I level up, I start to think and actively in my business as well. Yeah, That's been my experience. But again, my friends know like I don't wear watches and jewelry and, you know, I don't mm-hmm. buy cars. I don't, I don't do anything. I don't like... Right. I. I. You know, I get a lot of travel for free. It's like, you know, I'm not really spending a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm investing in my business. And yeah. So if I was, if you were spending a lot everywhere else, I'd say, you know, don't do that. Right. But if you're not, I would say invest in a great environment that's going to make you think, oh, what do I need to do to leverage more, to hire more people to, to, to really grow this thing? Unless you're just happy with where you're at, and that's cool too. I'm not. Well, if so you're not happy. that makes me feel a lot better. Cause... And if you're not like... But you're, you're, you've are you're got a great base and you're making great money and you've got this following. Yes. But you're not like pushed to really go bigger yet. Mm-hmm. Like uh, faster, right? It's like, so for me, yeah. that's what's worked for me. Every time I do that, I'm like, this is really uncomfortable. Am I really about to invest in this? Yep. And then I have this incredible view and in this space and I'm like, okay, let me go. It's worth the investment. Okay. Yeah. That for makes me. me
1: feel a lot better. For me. Uh, you know, I'll, put this out there for the people listening, I definitely do not like where I live and neither does my fiance. Mm -hmm. You know, know, it feels like ungrateful to say because it's a nice house, but it's just the environment is not conducive to creativity. Mm -hmm. And I've been driving to where my new house is and just walking around. feel inspired. I feel something different here. And I offered on the house and I have a giant spreadsheet, right? So like, I'm not like, okay, I can't afford this house. Let me just offer on it and make it work.
0: Like I can't afford it. It's just Mm -hmm. definitely more than double. You're gonna double I'm your like, revenue. The, from the moment you move in there, to the next 12 months, you're gonna double your revenue. Minimum, Okay. in my opinion.
1: I mean, I believe it too, because I, I do revenue. have ideas that weren't coming to me before, I but I made this offer and then I'm like, I can do this and this, and I think I need to make these 58 videos. I mean, that's not even an exaggeration. Right, I literally right. listed 58 videos on the plane here that I need to make. And I kind of see it clearly, and before clearly. I didn't. So. Because you didn't
0: have a reason to. Yeah. Except for maybe an intrinsic reason, but you, you don't have that as much anymore because you you had that seven, eight years ago. Right. When you were trying to make something of yourself, but now yep. you're like, well, I made something, so what do I need to, to grow bigger? For mm. me, I focus on service. I focus on, like, how can I impact more people? Mm. Like, if I were to die, I kind of go morbid. If I were to <laughs> die tomorrow, would I be happy with the level of service I've created in mm. the world? I'm eight years older than you. I wasn't thinking that eight years ago. I just started thinking that around 30. Okay. It was more like, how can I make enough money to like survive and grow and just like have you know financial freedom, right? And accomplish some things. But then once you have it, it's like, okay, do I just want more money? What's the point of that? Yeah. For me, it's been how do I serve more people? Mm-hmm. How do I use my skills, my talents to then create information, content, and package it in a way to help more people? Mm-hmm. And so that's what's kind of an intrinsic value. It's like I'm getting up because my mission is to help a hundred million people weekly, and We're not there yet, we're not even close. Mm -hmm. So if I died tomorrow, would I be happy? Yes, I'd be happy, but what I've known, I could have given more in this space as well. So I think about it from that point of view. And the financial commitment helps me think creatively around finances because finances are gonna help me bring in a team which is gonna help reach that mission. Gotcha. Because I can't do it on my own. Yeah, exactly. So that's the way I think. But... um, It's reassuring. Because yeah. you, you read like Art of War is like the
1: back against the wall principle and mm. people fight like cornered animals and the, you know people will take that and they'll say you should go do X, Y, and Z because of this. And it's it's hard to know like is that foolhardy or not because mm. I can see the positives and I can see the potential
0: disastrous consequences yeah. of going too far in that direction. If you've got you know a runway for the next 6 to 12 months then mm-hmm. I think you're fine okay. obviously I mean. You're a smart guy. You know how to create something from nothing. If you lost everything right now, I bet you could make a million dollars in a year. If you lost, if you lost your channel, if you lost all your social media, if you lost your whole following, you could. If your life depended on it, could you make a million dollars in a year? Yes. Could you make two million? Maybe. That's a good question. (laughs) If your life depended on it. If my my life depended on it, then yeah, absolutely. Okay, so then what's holding you back now?
1: Yeah, I guess um, maybe not my life
0: online so we need something we need something we need something bigger inside of us so I need like, to put like a thing on my neck like in those <laughs> movies right no but I think it's just like what's gonna make it meaningful to you when I create and and why are you doing this yes and I, I go back to like why am I we were talking beforehand about you know I've almost 1200 episodes in it's like we're doing three episodes a week four YouTube videos a week why yeah because there's a deeper mission to serve hundred million people mm-hmm. to help them improve their life that's why that's why mm-hmm. we do it I could stop right now and our content, your content would still reach a lot of people for years. Yeah, But I'm just wanna be fully satisfied. I'd be happy with my life, but Mm -hmm. I don't think I'd be satisfied with my calling. And so I'm just led by that, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I feel like
1: you have this too, because everything like this, everything is free. Mm -hmm. Everything I do, I wanna make it free. Yeah, you want like, to help people. I constantly come up with ideas and I'm like, all right, well, this is the idea that's going to be the business driver finally. And then the next week I'm like, guys, let's just give it away. for What people. if we made it free? <laughs> I it outlined gets, this whole yeah. like, crazy thing I was going to sell for Notion templates. And then I was like, okay, but what if I made it free? And then the thing I'm already selling, I'm like, what if it, I make a whole tutorial on how to build it for free? And so it's like, yeah, how do I monetize it? How do I, what's the actual economic engine here? Right. Because... You know, you could say YouTube AdSense, but to grow that, it's like you have to grow views. You gotta get a lot of views. And that's, that is. I mean, you can do it, but it's tough. You gotta get and it's not necessarily what I always want to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have a portion that, hey, this is free, and mm-hmm. you make money from AdSense, so it's still monetizing, and then you sell other things. Yep. So it's like, hey, so... if you can't afford this, we have all this amazing free content. That's yep. what I say, too. Yeah, that's if true. we have got thousands of videos. You know, if you want my coaching, I pretty much give it away for free. If you want my coaching in a more... Small group uh, format, then you invest in it. You Mm -hmm. know, just like you said. It's like if you're ready for the next level, then invest in that. Yeah. So I think it's wise what you're doing, man. You're a smart guy. I think you know what you're capable of creating and you've built it over the last 10 years. So I think it's a smart move to move in there. And I I would think, personally, if you get this house and then you find a creative office space within a five-minute walk, Mm -hmm. you're going to explode even more. think so. I think so and it's like okay you try it for a year too and if it doesn't work i, I mean, just this know this is what compelling you... advice cuz i literally toured one i think if you if you put <laughs> if you put a yeah even just a, if you could get a one year lease or mm-hmm. you know even take over a sublease for a year and a half or two years so you don't have to do a 5 year thing or a yeah. 3 year thing you know start there you're going to realize like oh this is amazing to have like separation you're going to be married in june he said i think mm-hmm. it's like maybe your wife wants to have some like downtime at home where you can just go to work and then come back and yeah. have some space for your cats and, you know, your life, I don't know, man. Though I think we're gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna get the separation because she also <laughs> wants some office space, so we might share it. Well, <laughs> well, at least the separation from home. That, and that I think will be very nice to have. And when I did that, things started to shift. My you relationship, so? yeah, yeah, exactly, like, just the relationship with myself became better because mm-hmm. I could kind of relax when I got home. Yeah. I feel like when my studio was in my home, I was always working. You're always going to be thinking anyways. Yes. It's not going to shut down in your brain. You're always going to come up with a video idea. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you can just go home and be like, okay, I don't have a camera here to record something. Yes. So I'll I'll write it down on my notes and this, but then I'll put it inside and I'll do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And you're the second
1: person I recently asked about this. So I asked our CEO at Standard when he had moved from his apartment office to a real office. I said, what did that do to your productivity? And he's like, insane.
0: Yeah. And the next week, I'm sure you'll hear it from one more person. I probably like, will. Okay, third thing, your third time you hear it, it's like, <laughs> all right, I should probably try that. I'm this gonna time. start believing in the secret. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna text you in a couple of weeks and see if you found any spaces. But I think you just keep looking at them, mm-hmm. look at the spaces, creative spaces, think of a dream of what you would want it to be. Yeah. And if you find it, get it. Don't force it. But if you find it, explore it. Yep. You know, see what makes sense. Um, what do you think is holding you back from? 10 xing your productivity, your results, your impact right now?
1: Um, I mean, well, so I was going to say fear because I thought you were saying what's holding you back from getting that office space. And maybe that's part of it is just... Mm -hmm. What are you afraid of? You know, I know I can afford this right now, but what if something bad happens or what if I overextend? And, you know, it's... Fear what? I often think it's fear of something that I don't quite understand. I just need to sit down and understand better. When I talked about the burnout before, uh, the reason we went down from four to two per month when we were on that super cinematic kick was I was afraid, 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 burned out, looked at my spreadsheet, realized if I change this number to two videos per month, we are still in the green. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, now, now the fear is so much less. I can right. actually do it. Right. So I think it's just sitting down and understanding here are the realities and the factors of the situation that I have not actually gotten to know yet. Right, right.
0: And so what's the fear that holds you back in this point? Just, just, uh, I don't. I, I think sure. it's just. I think it's just that
1: that leap, right? It's mm-hmm. like this is so much more money per month. That's yeah, a huge man. leap. It seems irresponsible.
0: Irresponsible to who?
1: Right. That's like something that as to an entrepreneur who? Your parents had are to. Like
0: some exactly parents out there that would say this to their kids, maybe. Yep.
1: That and that's. I think it's what it is. It's like who weren't growing entrepreneurs, up,
0: you know, <laughs> having people say be frugal. You know, my mom's just like, you're
1: paying an awful lot of money for that place,
0: and it just lodges in my brain. I'm all for being extremely frugal with your money and not blowing it on material things that mm-hmm. are not are meaningless to you yeah. in order to impress other people. For me, I buy the same like $40 shirts. You wear t-shirts all the time. You're not like this extravagant spender yeah. on things. You probably get healthy food. You have coaches to help you improve your life. Yep. And you invest in people on your team to help you grow. Yes. Some travel here and there, but it's like you travel with a backpack. You're staying at a friend's place. You're not like getting these lavish five-star hotels Mm. and renting bugattis every weekend right (laughs) it's not what you're doing yep you're trying to optimize your life in in intrinsic ways yes and so i feel like if you're creating an investment in an environment and people that will support you in helping more people
2: Mm -hmm. that's
0: always going to be a great investment if you're investing in things to look cool that may not satisfy you in the long term and maybe. it may be not as wise. If you're doing it because you enjoy that, then cool. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing it to impress or something and to feel good about yourself, then maybe that's not the wisest way to spend money. Yeah. That's my opinion. But if yeah. you've got the money, what are you using it for? Just sitting around to it's wait until you die? I mean, it's like investing it to help you grow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So do you yeah. pay your coach? Uh, my coach? Your fitness coach? I actually don't pay him. Okay. So I pay him in promotion. <laughs> there you go. There's payment there. There's there's time and energy. When in he came up
1: to me, he's just like, "I want to coach you for free for a while and see how you like it." And it hasn't changed. Though there I did you. pay him to coach my fiance. Well, there you go. So there
0: you go. I don't know, man. You could try it out, and you could say, "Oh, this isn't working for me." And you can always pull back and you know have a small operation from your home and just live that way the rest of your life.
1: And I guess like, what do I have to lose? Uh, I think they offered me a six month lease.
0: And go. it's like three Try grand out. a month.
1: So, okay, I lose 18 grand. I can make that. So, I can make, I know I can make that. You can make that I can work extra hard for a month and make that. Yeah, exactly. So,
0: that's what I have to lose. Then it's worth trying it out. You could always come back and say, I mm-hmm. didn't like this for six months. I'd rather work from home. Cool. Yep. But I think you'll be amazed of what you expand into when you step into that mm-hmm. personally. So,
2: I, I guess this. when I
1: think forward and I think, like, what would I regret? Mm -hmm. not having done like 10 years from now or when i'm 80 years old that's one of those things i I would regret not having tried
0: Mm -hmm. there you go so when do you move in uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) it probably could be next week that'd be amazing man and that would actually help my house move too really because my house is a tv studio basically (laughs) and my my agent's in there and he's like this house is really cool man but i don't know if people are going to be able to come down here and picture themselves living in this basement, when right. you have like a ton of cameras and lighting and everything, so if you moved
0: all that stuff into the office, <laughs> it the might next actually months help my house to help you sell more. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it might. Which would get you back into closer downtown, which would help you mm-hmm. transition. It makes yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, so maybe this
1: is the push I needed. Maybe this is like I'm gonna call the dude and be like, all right, let's try it. Six months, I'll do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, did you love the space? I did as long as
1: I can. You have no noise going on here. They had HVAC, so I need to see if I can like mitigate against that. Yeah, you could probably
0: turn it down or something. But yeah, interesting. There's
1: a couple other guys that I looked at. There's another one that they were they offered me like this basement space that's totally perfect for filming, but it's in like a basement. Yeah, it's not as inspiring. It's not inspiring, but it's like it would be kind of a perfect filming room Mm -hmm. if I just picture Mm -hmm. this. Just in a basement. Yeah, keep
0: taking, keep <laughs> taking, keep looking around, you know, tell them to show you some more places, but I think, yeah, in the next month or two, if you did it, I think it'd be powerful, man. Mm-hmm. Explore it. See what your heart says. Um, I love this, man. I'm excited for this. You've got some amazing content over on YouTube. Thomas Frank over there. thomasjfrank.com. You're all over social media, obviously. Tom Frankly on Twitter, is that right? Yes. Tom Frankly on Instagram as well, so um how can we be of the best support to you in this moment besides subscribing checking out your content what can we do to support you i mean man you just supported me a huge amount right
1: here both with like this push that you gave me yeah i'm seriously gonna take that that's cool man. and uh and yeah the plug's already so thank you awesome <laughs> man. yeah of
0: course do you know uh, ali Abdal? do you know him? yeah we're good yeah. friends yeah, yeah he uh he came on a month ago a month mm-hmm. and a half ago and I asked him the same thing, what's holding you back? Or, or what's your challenge? And he's like, well, I'm still doing this, like, you know, I think it was like two or four hours a week of being a medical uh, of a doctor, mm-hmm. right? He's like, I'm still holding on to this, although I make all my money over here. And I go, why are you holding on to this thing? And he's like, well, the fear of like, it should be, I should st- stick with this as a backup <laughs> plan. I go, yeah, dude, if you lose all your business, do you think you could recreate it and make a million dollars in a year? And he goes, yeah. And I go, then why don't you just go all in on it? Yep. Go on in the investment of what's working. Not holding on to something that you was an old identity Yes, that got you started won't get you to the next level. Mm-hmm. So, and then I go think about it. And the next week he texts me and goes, I'm quitting. I'm quitting like the, the doctor thing. So really? he, he quit his practice or, or whatever for the, the, the hospital or whatever. And now he's all in full time and he's like hiring people and building it even more. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm assuming it's going to exponentially grow. I think so. I've been talking to some of his team. Yeah, because I'm going to do a guest workshop
1: for his YouTube course. There so. you go, That's cool. He seems like he's. I mean, he went and got an office recently. Exactly. I wonder if you're the guy who pushes people to go get an office. <laughs> <laughs> he just put out a video. It's like big, huge life update. Everything's changing, and he got an office, and he's hiring go. all these people. So. There you go. There you go. Yeah.
0: So let's it's just see it, man. the impetus to grow. I want to see it, man. Um, this is a question I ask everyone at the end of our interviews called the three truths. So imagine a hypothetical scenario. It's your last day on Earth many years away from now you get to live as long as you want to live and accomplish all your goals but it's the last day for whatever reason you got to take all of your content with you so all your youtube videos your courses everything's got to go somewhere else we don't have access to it okay but you get to leave behind three lessons to the world three things that you know to be true from your experiences that you would share with us as your final piece of content what would those three truths be oh man all my content's going away I gotta leave people with details of like IRAs. And- <laughs> <laughs> Just three lessons, three nah. things that you think would be powerful for
1: people. Okay, seriously, use it or lose it. Yeah. And this applies to your body, this applies to your brain, this applies to skills, this applies to relationships. Um, 1% rule, this don't let perfectionism stop you. Put yourself on a schedule of creating the work or doing the thing, and then try to get 1% better each time you build over time. And then the other thing, a lot of people in my area of personal development, they always say like, you're the product of the five people you spend the Mm. most time with, and I think there's some truth to that, but don't forget the people who need you to be one of those five people. Mm. A lot of people, especially when I was younger, I'd have people in my circles and people emailing me like, my friends aren't very productive, should I stop being friends with them? No, because you're the positive influence for them, and they Mm. care about you, and you're gonna help them be the best version of themselves, so you know you need to go get exposure to people who inspire you and who will push you, like literally this, 10-minute diatribe we had about the office space is probably gonna push me and help me make a million more dollars But I'm not gonna stop being friends with my
0: friends who like to chill because mm-hmm. they need me right. and I'm friends with them So I like that. Those are good. I kind of like that that approach to that five people closest to you. That's cool, man um, Yeah, there's, there's always friends that just uh, want to hang and play video games or play some sports that mm-hmm. maybe aren't on your path that could use you to keep inspire them along the way. So
1: yeah, and the the best version of their path is probably one where you're encouraging them. Yeah, you know, even if they're not going to be a millionaire entrepreneur or something.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I like that, Thomas. Um, before I ask the final question, I, I want to acknowledge you, Thomas, for being a stand for. Uh, you're thirty years old, right? Yes, thirty years old. I I, I feel like a lot of thirty year olds aren't as committed to you to personal growth, to skill acquisition, to um you know just showing up to trying to be better every single day Mm -hmm. so i really acknowledge you for doing that in your personal life but also creating content showing people how you're doing it and teaching what you're learning along the way for people a few steps behind like you said yeah so i think it's inspiring man and i'm really grateful to connect with you and i want to see i'm going to come to denver one day hopefully when you have this massive creative space (laughs) separate from your back garage and uh hopefully we can create some content out there one day when you if you do that so and if you don't then it's all good too Uh, but congrats, man. Keep it going. Thank you. And let's do it. Yeah, it would be fun. Final question for you. What's your definition of greatness? What
1: is my definition of greatness? Well, that's a very tough question. (laughs) I didn't prepare anything. (laughs) Um, You know, being able to do the things you want to do, making an impact for the people who are in your life, keeping those personal relationships going, and, yeah, I mean, defining a mission and at least accomplishing it or getting
0: close to it. Matter, And now it's time to go out there and do
3: something great. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home and quite another navigating the world of price, negotiating mortgage lenders and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.